Good afternoon. Welcome to this week's What Comes Next Live. It's five o'clock in London and it's five o'clock in the Cotswolds where Julie Driver, normally based in Edinburgh, is house sitting and has warned me there is a, a dog with certain tendencies that may interrupt us at some point. Um, welcome, Julie. How are you doing? I'm really well. It's lovely to see you. It feels like a long time since I've seen you. It's it's one of those I haven't seen you seen you since before COVID conversations. Um, oh. so I'm really chuffed um, to see you. Uh, a little bit about Julie from me is that when I moved to London about five years ago, one of the things that was missing for me was a community of practice among experienced coaches, facilitators, mentors. Um, and Julie had had for a while at that point a brilliant idea to have a facilitation shindig, she called it where she would get together experienced coaches and facilitators and just go in our you know, practice, basically. About, I would say go deeper in our practice. And there's an adage I always was taught by my mentors, which was you can only go take your client somewhere you're prepared to go yourself. So it was some pretty intense and deep and expertly facilitated and guided work. Um, so I, I always refer to Julie as one of the top coaches and facilitators I know. So... Um, so there you go. I warned you I would big you up. Um, so that's my intro for you. But that's been a few years since you did that. And a lot of things have gone on for you. So I'd love to hear for the listening and viewing audience a little bit about um, about yourself from you. And then we're here to talk for about half an hour on whatever's on your mind. OK, thank you. Um, yeah, the shindig feels like a long time ago. Um and I did move it online. So when, when the pandemic hit, um, that first year, I was doing shindigs online for any facilitators that weren't feeling comfortable in that online space. So, so many of us, myself included, were face-to-face -face humans, you know, like, we'll go in and we'll run a room and, you know, do all that stuff. And then the notion of using virtual whiteboards and things was for many of us it was just an absolute anathema and quite scary and so the whole thing about the shindig was allowing people places to mess up and practice together <laughs> before we kind of unleashed ourselves on the clients um so it, it it went online and then i th i think by 2021 i was just so done with mm -hmm. being online that actually the poor old shindig kind of went away, but it may it may come back. Phoenix like it might come back, even maybe in a hybrid fashion. And, and that piece could be very interesting in terms of running events. Um, two thoughts around these podcasts. I think this is number ninety-one. In a few weeks' time, I have on the lovely Joe Cook, who was. I went on one of the very early online ones you did, and I joined that, and Joe was on there, and she's an expert in learning online. So I'm really looking forward to what she will have to share. Uh, for really for anybody who wants to communicate in, in an online slash hybrid way. Uh, the second of two things is that another past guest is a dear friend of mine who lives out in um, Nevada, um, Mark, Mark Rowlands, who um, a few years ago took an amazing opportunity to be a senior person heading up innovation for the U.S. Air Force. And you might think, well, U.S. Air Force. But it's got hundreds of thousands of employees. It's one of the biggest business, you know, organizations in the U.S. And they have a massive innovation hub in um, Las Vegas. And he talked quite a lot on that podcast about running hybrid. This was a year and a half ago, at least. 
and just saying it's really like a full-scale television production. You know, the number of cameras you need to have so that you can have different shots and production and this kind of thing. So just fascinating stuff. And it's an interesting world we're in. So that, that you got fed up being online. Uh, well, online with, with that sort of space as a facilitator. So where where did you move through and where are you now? I was looking after my well-being and resting my eyes. Um, so it, was, <laughs> it was more that. It was like, you know, I was, I was, I was doing lots and lots of client work and then I found that uh, having the energy to be, like, super creative um, was an ask. So I really felt it. I'm sure lots of people did. Mm. Um so where am I at now? Well, uh, we are now in we are now in twenty halfway through twenty twenty two, and I guess like part of this conversation today was um, I think prompted by the fact that I was at Learning Tech a few weeks ago and I was talking about um, AI in coaching. So I'd, uh, it was Learning Technologies. I was um, fortunate enough to be asked to chair some some conversations so I was chairing some panels on uh, learning tech which is always a, a real honor and um, there's two parts to learning tech there's the sort of conference part which is fairly kind of traditional it's panels and um, speakers and and then you go downstairs to the exhibition hall <laughs> and it's just like bandit country it's just noise and innovation and people trying to sell technology and solutions to things that you didn't know that you need. It's like, whoa. Um, so going into that, uh, you've got to sort of take a bit of a breath before you walk into, or I do, there's loads of people who'd be fine with it, but it's a bit overstimulating for me. And in the, um, in the exhibition space, people were having conversations about using AI to um, support coaching or support the beginning of maybe co uh, coaching relationships or the matching process um, so using algorithms using artificial intelligence to um, help track map you know do all of those kind of things and as a old-fashioned analog uh, <laughs> relational coach who believes in the absolute necessity of building that relationship and trust and bond and doing some of the slow work, um, I was really challenged. I was super mm -hmm. challenged by some of the things that I was hearing and seeing. And I really noticed myself uh, feeling old and feeling um, like rejecting it, just going, what's you know, this, this AI malarkey? It couldn't possibly replace. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, proper coaching. It's not proper coaching. You know, uh, you need a you need a proper chemistry meeting. You can't you can't be matched by an algorithm. Mm -hmm. um, so, I th I think I was I was maybe moaning on Twitter a little bit, and I think he went, Jules, do you want to come on? And I went, Yeah, I do. Um, so that's still kind of kicking around as a thread. I've been looking, done a little bit of reading and research around it. I'm a little bit calmer about its place in the future hmm. um, because every everybody I've seen who is producing um, the kind of AI coaching um, it still very much relies on human coaching intervention so um, like 
sentiment analysis, you know, reading emotions and, and vocal right. um, ups and downs is still not where where you would probably need it to be. So it can't predict in the same way. And there are issues within some of the algorithms, basically because of who coded them and all of those sorts of things. So we're not there yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it and what it might mean for hmm. the profession. And it's not a conversation I'm hearing us coaches have. Hmm. So if I hadn't been at learning tech, right? if I hadn't come into contact with the technology, I probably still wouldn't wholly know that it existed. Interesting. A few thoughts from listening to you. The first one is the maxim that what we resist persists. <laughs> perhaps something and it's oh, come on no it, it knows and i mean it in a really positive way because it's kind of a a coaching maxim that if we're really resisting something hard there's probably something there to explore yeah. all right whether in us or whether in further research or curiosity about it so it's just being open-minded just being open and curious so that's the first thought so kudos for that um the i I, for me, what occurs to me instinctively is there's levels of of coaching. And one of the things I'm really fascinated by, particularly as I work at kind of one end of coaching in the market, is that it's coaching is not universal. Whereas I, I mean, I fervently believe everybody can benefit from a coach. I have multiple coaches myself. Um, and but it's not accessible commercially, financially, etc. So there are some interesting businesses for larger organizations that do, you know, apps that do peer-to-peer coaching on the classic sort of 12-week model. And that's significantly better than nothing at all. It's a sort of facilitated and guided Q&A process. There's no AI in that per se. It's, it's just a way to have people feel comfortable asking and answering questions. And then there's um, another guest that's been on the podcast, Steve McIntosh, is building something called Career Point. His passion is for career coaching for people roughly late 20s, early 30s. And there's a matching process. Then they get put together with um, actual coaches working online. And I think that's that. That just one thought is that the greater acceptance of of coaching over video. Over audio, yes, but over video gives you at least one more sense to work with, um, as uh, from both sides, the coach and coachee. That, that therefore in and of itself makes it more accessible because commercially, if it's a one hour session, it takes, the, it takes one hour of the coach's time rather than face to face is typically going to take three, four hours or more. But the AI bit, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. And I can absolutely see, I've been involved, um, typically on a voluntary basis in mentoring programs for many, many years. And I found it fascinating that the the most successful matching programs tend to be, in my experience, the best one I've ever been on was um, run by Entrepreneurial Scotland. And there was one person working two days a week, actually match people and managed 80 quality matches in a year. Right. And that was working one to two days a week on it. And then there are other ones which are fully automated. There's no intervention at all in terms of the matching. Um, that's a struggle. And then some hybrid in, in not an online real world bit. I can absolutely see it in matching. As it moves into coaching, 
that I've never heard of before. Well, uh, I'm still looking into it. So, so like I say, the the the, the primary um, the primary thing that I was seeing at Learning Tech was around the, the kind of the matching mm-hmm. um, bots conversations. The, the, so the accessibility. So if I'm a a, a line manager, a new young uh, you don't even have to be young if you're if you are new into that position mm-hmm. um, and you are needing some kind of coaching support you are absolutely right that like working with somebody like me could be um, expensive it's not necessarily cost effective I mean I don't I don't sort of charge you know through the roof for lots of things um but I think it was interesting no I know it was interesting it was very interesting for me personally so i'm not saying this for everybody it's not necessarily a universal thing and i'm sure there are people listening to this that are going oh my god old girl this has been going on for years and years and years and you've just you've only just noticed it so i think i also have the privilege of surprise like Hmm. it's coming over the horizon um but, but for me i i i can really see the benefit around accessibility yeah uh and I don't want to be put out to pasture yet. I'm not ready for the robots to take my job, Tom. <laughs> um, <laughs> I used to make a joke about AI, and it links into something you said earlier. Uh, it says that AI will, will never reach the singularity, the, the moment at which robots overtake humans. Um, because I make a joke about this because I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm obviously not sure whether or not that's true. Um, but I make a joke about that because I go, and you know why? It's because they're programmed by engineers. Right. And this is with apologies to us. A number of my clients are trained engineers. Um, I did not say this. I did not say this. This is no, it's me saying it. It's yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and it's, and it's, I've said for the fourth time now, it's a joke. Uh, but the, but there is this, there's, there's any joke to be to be accessible has to have a, a, an essence of truth in it. And the thought for me is that as I've and you and I have both been coaching for a long time, and the stuff that you that we learn and practice from the formal training and then being supervised, then supervising other people, etc. Um, there's there are points at which your rational mind, which is how engineers think and process and program, um, the points at which your rational mind isn't the place from which the right question emerges, in my experience. Um, the best questions and the safest and deepest space, for me, in my experience, come from not absolutely clearing your mind of what the next question is mm. and, and just totally listening, and then the next question organically emerges might be a while before bots and AI can replace that. But when you when you have the first, you know, the more standard first year or two of it's just an amazing experience for people who've never had a coach to have somebody who's there simply for them, their agenda only, purely listening and asking questions to help them work it out for themselves. Now, that can be done relatively mechanically while still being really authentic and working very well. So it's an interesting field. I'm taking heart from that. I feel I feel like I'm not I'm not gonna get sacked 
immediately. <laughs> I, I might be good for a few years yet. So we'll see how we go. So well, you're 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 old woman. You're at least well over a decade younger than me. So I'm oh. going to be around for several decades. So we're all good. Nice. Uh, nice. So what 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 else is happening for you? Look forward to celebrating your centenary with you. Um, Cheers. Uh, what else is kicking around? So. I said to you, didn't I? It's going to be like the morass of my mind. Um, so around coaching, um, I have in the last 12 months started a journey into supervision, coaching supervision, mm-hmm. um, which in part was, um, in part, I think it was also a response to the pandemic. So I know, so I, I set up Future Blue, my company, I set, I set that up like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've been through a couple of um, recessions now <laughs> or, you know, events and the business and I have sort of survived through those, but have had to um, adjust, adapt, adopt. So I think I, like many people in that first lockdown, was kind of thinking, what is it that I'm currently not doing that I could be doing or you could do more of that that's going to be sort of useful that's going to give me some sustainability and some enjoyment um and i i i really love coaching it's one of my favorite parts of the job that i do so i i would say i i coach i consult around culture and leadership i facilitate and i sort of design you know leadership developmenty things events or you know programs or whatever but there is something about coaching there's something about group coaching or you know on a one-to-one that I just love I love saying listening to people um I love puzzling through those tensions with folk you know when they turn up and they're like oh they've got this and then but there's also this and I feel like I'm being pulled in all directions and just giving them space and asking some questions to help them think through and look at things differently it's 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 beyond privilege it's amazing it's Mm -hmm. like such a good thing to do um and and i think so the the supervision came from that it was it's something that i love i've been doing it for a long time um i think i'm all right at it so maybe doing some coaching of coaches might be the next step forward and it's really challenging. Coaching coaches is really challenging because they like know stuff and they're really self-aware and and they're they're yeah. It's like okay, this is interesting. <laughs> so you have to take quite a different place in the conversation as a supervisor. It's it's like really working from back here somewhere. What what do you mean by back here somewhere? it's really like you you have to be really kind of meta you're you can't like Hmm. really have to hold that space above the coach and and help them make the links when they're usually pretty good at that anyway Mm -hmm. um so i think sometimes when uh sometimes when you coach somebody who's maybe not been coached before they kind of go, oh, my God, that was amazing. Like, you asked a question and, you know, and my mm-hmm. whole world opened up. But coaches know that. They've been doing it for years. <laughs> so you don't, you've got to kind of go, okay. Um, you've got to work from a different space. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to, I think you've got to bring a different part of your practice. Um, so it's been really challenging, but I, I, I have so far thoroughly enjoyed it. Is there a way you can articulate that? 
um, so I can get a better understanding of what is different about it. You said it's meta and you've got to be back there. Um, it's very, is there another way of expressing that differently? No. Not really? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, well, I actually, I get it. I'm just conscious of, um, I think you just you're just working with the individual or the group from a from a slightly different space. Yeah. It's not about solutions. You're not like off not always, but often if I've if I've got my coaching hat on, I am supporting the other person to find a solution or a number of solutions or hmm. um in supervision I, I, you, you, you're operating on the basis that they have all of that anyway. I mean, I, you, I work with my coaches in that way. Like, mm-hmm. you, you got the answer there somewhere. Um, but in supervision, I don't know. I don't, it's just I, all I can say to you is it's different. I'm probably not articulating it very well, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm my, my tutors will be lining up to shoot me now, going, "Have we not taught you better than this?" To no, it, it. Well, I, I. If I go back to the AI bit a little bit, and I'll share one of my experiences around this, is the is the difference in the rational mind and the and right. feel how we feel and, and embodiment and things like that. And sometimes if something really feels different, it's quite difficult to find the words about it. All right. So well, I was, I've I've had a few supervisors in um, which which I also think is right. You should work with you know kind of different supervisors mm-hmm. throughout your career and. Um, I was working with um, a lady called Kay Young. Kay's based in Scotland. She's now, I think she's up in Findhorn now. And Kay used to challenge me probably more than anyone I've ever worked with. Hmm. She would challenge my, but she would challenge my, not just my head. She would challenge my heart. She would challenge my, like, where is it in your body? You know, where are you feeling that? how are you responding to what you're seeing in front of you? And um, and it was a you know working with her was a really visceral experience sometimes, and it was amazing. It was so shifting. Um, yeah. So the the experience I had is that I one of the support mechanisms I have in place is I have somebody, and we work. I kind of would call it peer supervision. We're both super experienced, and we will talk every few weeks. And we'll bring forward in that highly confidential space of supervision and we'll bring forward a client experience. Yep. Um, and sometimes it's my turn and sometimes it's their turn. Um, the last time we were on, they were helping two very senior executives, two different clients, um, who were looking to decide whether to stay or go mm-hmm. from their employment. And they have all the tools. They're all way more experienced than me and a few more gray hairs. All right. But they wanted to talk it through. So there's a reason they wanted to talk it through. There was something that they were stuck on. And what it came down to is that they explained all the detail and rationale as to why one person wanted to do one path. Um, and they said, and I'm okay with that. That makes perfect sense to me. And then they explained all the detail and rationale why the other person wanted to do their path. He said, it doesn't feel right to me. Right. And all I said was, having listened to both of of these stories, all of which took about 20, 30 minutes to get all the detail, let them unload, let them download. I just thought, well, okay, what's the thing I'm going to say? And I just went, 
I listened to the rationale from both of your clients. And I could see how you could feel okay with both of their decisions making sense. But for some reason, one of them felt absolutely okay with you. And you think I can support that person with that transition, that journey, etc. But the other one, you said, no, it doesn't seem right to me. That's what I'm interested in. And I just turned it back, turned it back over to them. And they went, oh, and they'd really never thought about it. So it, what it feels like to me is that sometimes in that space, like I work quite a lot with CEOs and senior C-suite leaders and they're particularly CEOs. It's quite lonely at the top. They've got nobody they can talk to. Um, and it's almost like that because who do you have to talk to about what your client experience has been unless it's somebody that you have that space with? So I think as well then, the, what I'm hearing when you're describing that is like you start to open up a space where people can can think about what are their biases and their assumptions. So here's the story that we're putting forward. There's two separate stories. One feels right. Well, we need more than just it feels right. Like yeah. what's the articulation behind that? So what are the underlying assumptions? What biases do you, do you hold, Tom, when you look at it and you go, this is what I see, yeah. what are the bits that you you don't see and what are the bits that they are perhaps not paying attention to either? So if you, if you know, in that gestalt way, it's what is currently figural, what's right in front of us that we're paying attention to, but what's not, what's like in the background that we're, we're maybe not paying attention to that sh perhaps we need to bring in more of. So I think it's that space that we work or that I'm working in certainly around the supervision, which hmm. I think I work in a little bit. I work like that a bit with my coaches, but it seems to be more. It comes into play, I think. Um, sorry, with my coaches, but it comes into yeah. play more with with coaches, often because they're very knowing and very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yes, that stuff. There you go. Those are things on my mind. Oh, and writing. Everybody needs to write reflectively. There you go. Tell us a bit about that to finish. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joy, passion project. Um, just complete side hustle, which I'm adoring. I cannot tell you how much I love this. Um, set up a thing called Write Nights uh, last year in January. Um, Wednesday nights for five weeks. People come together and they write. Um, so free writing, um, usually around a theme. And it was a it was one of my experiments. I like to try these things every now and again. It's a bit like the shindig was. And it's been amazing. People turn up and they write and we've had poetry and we've had prose and we've had uh, we've had script writing. We've had um, one um, a couple of forays into erotica, which was quite fun. Um, and I have this like alumni of fabulous people now who are kind of turning up for things. And um, there's going to be a retreat in September in Scotland, uh, which is all organised. And do you know what? It's just a joy. It's it's utterly about creativity and writing your own story. And oh, it's like it's proper magic. People get to, I cannot tell you what gets produced at right nights. People blow me away. And are, you, are, you, are those open for people to join? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where do people find you, Julie? Uh, so I'm on, t I'm on the twits. I'm on Twitter at, at fuchsia downscore blue. People inevitably spend, between fuchsia 
and my surname Drybra. I am basically a spell check nightmare. Um, so I'm on Twitter at Fuchsia Blue. Um, right now it's just the hashtag for Right Nights is on Twitter and also on LinkedIn if anyone's looking for it there. But if you find me on LinkedIn, all the Right Night stuff is on there. I'm probably not as much on coaching and supervision as she would be. <laughs> You're focused on the passion project. I love the writing. I, I, I got into one of the, at one point I got into, I mean, I write every day, as you know, on a blog. But at one point, one of my another guest that's been on the show, Katie Elliott, did a month of cool things uh, last summer, and one of them was uh, to join. I, I honestly can't remember the name of it right now, but the idea was you joined a writers' hour, nice. and and everybody just logged on with their cameras on, um, no intros. The the host made the intro, and then you sat quietly for about fifty minutes doing whatever you were doing. It just felt like you were in a co-working space, but not talking. And then for the last five minutes, anybody wants to share, they share, otherwise that's done. And it was just a really cool experience. Um, yours is, obviously there's a bit more to it and people are sharing their stuff and connecting a bit more. Okay, yeah, on right nights they share, um, but we do, I do rise and rights in the morning. So it's like early morning meditation writing and that's like nobody shares on that. So they're like a little bit led. I'll do, they do two or three writing sessions, which are kind of lead meditations because that time in the morning is just a beautiful time to mm -hmm. tap into your, your creativity and your, again, your stories, your reflections, the possibilities. So, um, and they're free. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm plugging now. Look at me plugging. I'm very proud of myself. I don't normally plug. Uh, so those are, those are the things that are on my mind. Very cool. Well, it's been a, it's, it, it, the half an hour has flown by, and uh, that's that's we've touched on a few things. Um, what words of wisdom might you have for the listening audience, Julie? What springs to mind? Lord in heaven, um, I always say um, no sudden moves. There you go. That's my that is my signature. That's my signature saying. No sudden moves. Like whatever it is that you're doing, just Go canny, we would say in Scotland. Just take the time and the right thing will present itself. There's very, very rarely you have to make an immediate decision. You can give it five minutes. Hmm. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure, Julie. It's been great to catch up with you for the first time in ages. And your dog did not disturb us. No, she's sound asleep. <laughs> Must have been our dulcet tones. I bored her to death, yes. Many Thank thanks. You.